Hello friends, Happy New Year and welcome to your first pre-match Kings of Anglia podcast of this next 12 months. Christmas is finished, the new year is here and the first weekend in January of course means it's time for the third round of the FA Cup. Woo! Very exciting. But friends, before we get to that, even more excitingly, there's lots of sexy stuff happening, bubbling this morning, this Friday morning and obviously we're going to talk about that in great detail uh, and get quite excited about it, I'm sure, in due course. First of all, though, friends, I'm Mark Heath. I'm your host. Welcome. And I'm joined by the three other kings as well today. I'm going to start with a man who we're very lucky to have on, actually, today, because he is literally about to fly out to AFCON with Cameron Burgess. Uh, Rossi, how are you? I'm very well. Yeah, can't wait for that. Um, we're playing... Senegal, isn't it you're playing Senegal, for? Yeah, Senegal uh, with uh, Mane. Um, Sadio Mane, um, yeah, you know, he's, a, he's a baller, isn't he? Um, and we're gonna link up really well, so uh, yeah, can't wait. <laughs> um, Morsey didn't fancy it, so um, I've gone, nope, I'm gonna do it then, yeah. I mean, you have been impressing in the cages, so I've heard, I've, I've heard good reports of you, um, twice a week in the cages down, uh, down goals. Uh, Rossi, I um, I was walking my dog on Morton Hall in Barry with my mum on Tuesday, and uh, a man who was running run past me and started waving and said, Mark, Mark. Turns out he was a listener, uh, Nick Wells, shout out Nick. And he said, I'm, I'm actually listening to Kings of Anglia now. All that jazz, he said, all that jazz. And I didn't really, because I hadn't listened to the podcast, I didn't really know what he's talking about. And then I did listen to it. And you got you got your all that jazz button stuck down at the end of last, last week's podcast, didn't you? Yeah, it's record-breaking numbers, <laughs> all that jazz. I don't know why, it just comes out. I don't mean to, it just it just comes out. I've got Tourette's of all that jazz, basically. Yeah, um, well, I like it. It's endearing. Um, spam it as much as you want, mate. Right then, Stewie, you've been busy this morning. How, how's things in the Watson household as we move into 2024? Good. A bit calmer now. Yeah. School, is, school is returned. So, um, yeah, you won't hear. I think the last few pods have been disrupted by by shouting and doors slamming and things in the background. So, a bit, bit, bit more chill now. Excellent. Apart from the January transfer window, of course, which we'll come on to shortly and aj the youngest member of our team how are mm -hmm. you have you opened all your presents and eaten all your chocolate from christmas i have yes i don't have children running around we just have dogs running around and snoring and farting as you will know how that is especially during podcasts i think there might be one on the other side of the door so um yeah trying to keep that one under control well then friends no more no more small talk it's time for sexy stuff and we've got some breaking sexy stuff this morning, Stewie, um, we knew obviously they'd made a signing since we last spoke. You spoke about that on Tuesday's podcast, but this one came out of left field. More Blackburn Rovers, more accurately. Um, do you want to tell us all about it? Lewis Travis incoming, club captain from Blackburn. Doesn't sound like the fans are very happy about it up in Blackburn. Tell us all about it. Yeah, um, caught me cold this one this morning, I have to admit. We didn't know anything about this one. Lewis Travis um, Blackburn Rovers club captain that he's not been having too much game time of late but he's um, an experienced championship midfielder holding midfielder played nearly 200 games in, in the second tier and um, Ipswich have obviously decided to bring him in I would imagine as a bit of um, short term cover for a variety of reasons really um, first of all probably is is immediately a bit of backup to Sam Morsi, who's going to be suspended for the next two league games against Sunderland and Leicester. Just provide another body in, in that midfield. Lee Evans is obviously a long-term absentee. 
in there. And of late, he's played a couple of games at fullback, um, both at right back and left back from what, what we can see for Blackburn. Um, so there's that big versatility box that Kieran McKenna likes ticked as well. Obviously, Leif Davis currently sidelined with a half strain. So provides a little bit of cover there. We've seen Harry Clark and Cameron Humphreys play left back recently. Um, Janoy Danassian seems to be struggling with with a groin injury still. Harry Clark managing that Achilles. So, um, yeah, someone who's going to come in and probably provide a, a little bit of leadership, bit of experience, bit of versatility, bit of cover. It looks like um, a pretty sensible signing. Not necessarily the one that's going to set the pulses racing. Everyone's waiting for that striker, um, but looks like a, a sensible bit of business. Ipswich have seen an opportunity to uh, to go and get someone like that while he's available. Mm, the bearded one is wasting no time, is he, Ashton? Uh, bringing players in. Another bearded one, Rossi. You got some insight from your Blackburn contact this morning as to sort of player that, that Travis is. Do you want to share that with us? Yeah, obviously, you know, we know he's got that experience and he's, of mm. course, got the championship. You know, he's, he's captain for, a, a, you know, a very established, you know, championship side. So he's he's got that. And um, obviously, as, as Stu said, with... With Morsey going to be out for two two league games, he's going to be a, a key cog for that. But um, yeah, it, obviously a lot of championship teams they like to play football, don't they? And it sounds like maybe Lewis Travis isn't that sort of style. Maybe he's more more aggressive. He wants to get, get into the tackles. Um, he likes to pass the ball to maybe the more quality players on the ball. I'm not saying he's not quality on the ball. Um, I will admit, don't know much about Lewis Travis because you know we've been in League One for four years. I've been getting used to knowing League One footballers. So yeah. trying to get myself up to speed to championship um, um, players, um, but it's, it's just he just needs that quality around him. And um, as as Stu mentioned, I think that leadership is going to be another key. I'm not saying we've got we haven't got leaders in our squad. But I think we just need a few more just to to get us over the line. Yeah, I mean, it sounds from what you were saying, Ross, your chat with your your contact at Blackburn. He's he's more of a disruptor rather than a creator. It's probably fair. Uh, but AJ, you were telling me before we. We started rolling. Uh, you've been watching one of his goals back. Um, mm-hmm. Was it against QPR? Tell us a bit more. Yeah, he's he's not scored that many. I think it's been six in his career so far. Only really played senior level at, at Blackburn. But the one that stands out is this QPR goal. So they won this one, one there. I think it was last season. They won the win at Ewood Park. And I mean, it shows what he's got in his locker. It shows that he's not afraid to have a go with these kind of things. Corner gets cleared out, gets flipped back to him. I think he's around about maybe 25 yards out. It actually looks a little bit further maybe on the video, but mm. I think it is around about 25 yards out and he just kind of hits. It's not a proper kind of thunder bastard rip the net in half, but the way he just kind of loops it over the goalkeeper almost was really, really impressive. Um, so I, I think it's an interesting one in that sense. And I think that also at the end of the day, as, as Ross kind of alluded to, he's coming from a team that has a similar style in terms of how they want to play. I don't necessarily know if, Blackburn have been able to do it quite to the same extent, but you know they like playing out from the back and they like free-flowing football. So he's going to be used to the system, but mm. with different kind of personnel around him, maybe this will suit him a, a little bit more. And you were saying the fans um, haven't taken it particularly well. <laughs> yeah, um, I won't read out the tweet I put into our chat yeah. earlier because it probably gets us banned off uh, iTunes and Spotify and all those. We'd never things. get banned, my friend. <laughs> Do what we want. Oh, you, you might if you read that one out. But yeah, I think the reaction's been pretty poor. I, I think that a lot of people seem to have expected him moving on because there have been bids in the past, links in the past. I've seen him linked to Luton. He um, was subject to a bid for, I think it was 800,000 from Millwall over the summer. Blackburn rejected that one. Um, but kind of a, a few little whispers here and there that he's fallen out with John Dale Thomason 
is there something there? He's played midfield once or started in midfield once since I think it's October. Um, other than that, he's been starting at, at fullback or coming on um, off, off the bench. So it, it shows what his position is in the team. But I don't think that's down to his quality at all. It's, it's just down to the fact that it looks like something's gone on. And it'll be interesting to see how that one plays out because the fans are not best pleased. And I know that John Dal Thomason is going to be facing the media in about, well, from the time of recording, about an hour or so now. Mm. Um there's going to be quite a big reaction to that. And given the fact also that Blackburn, one thing that John Dale Thompson mentions a lot is that Blackburn have a really young squad. They can't compete. There's lots of kids in that team. It's lots of kind of teenagers, those in the lower 20s. And then you're going off and loaning out your club captain. It's not like they're going to make a lot of money by selling him. This is going to be a, a straight loan deal from what I can see at least. And I think that has frustrated a, a lot of the fan base, given the fact that there is a a dire need for someone to step up, be a leader and be a kind of a, a more senior figure. I would mm. imagine it probably helps get them some wages off off mm. the wage bill. Um, I think there was a lot of talk, wasn't there, last summer about them, you know, needing to, to sell, to buy. And they're obviously uh, fairly tight on what they can do financially. So maybe maybe its needs must there, combined with the fact that you say that there maybe is a little bit of a a, a rift between player and manager. You don't have to read too hard between the lines. There was a, a, a um, an interview with Lewis, I think last March time, where he said he hated being out of the side. There was a period over Christmas, I hate not playing football. I want to play every week. Um, and then fast forward to recently, and John Dale Thomason has kind of said, yeah, I've, I've had conversations with Lewis and he's made it pretty clear he wants to play football. So, um we're talking about him maybe coming in to play a bit of a cover role for Ipswich Town. This isn't a player who's um, wanting to move just to, to sit on the bench. So it's going to be be very interesting to see how he's utilised and what sort of role he has to play. Yeah. Okay. Obviously not officially confirmed yet by the club. We're expecting that today. So maybe as you're listening to it, it has been confirmed. Hopefully not. It won't be a Marcus Harness 11.30 on a Friday night sort of deal because um, I don't really want that to start January. Um, Stuart, before we move on to talk about Sarmiento, um, just brings up to speed with, with the state of play in terms of squad numbers, because clearly they have to operate within within rules as to how many players they have. We know Dane Scarlett's gone back, Sarmiento's come in, so he's taken that spot. Now Travis is going to come in, so they're adding another player. Where, where, where are towns sitting at the moment in terms of the squad numbers? <clears throat> well, we'll start with the loan situation. And yeah. uh, Ipswich, obviously with Scarlett gone. Uh, so one loan, he's gone in Scarlett, and two will have come in in Sarmiento and Travis, which takes them up to four with Brandon Williams and Amari Hutchinson as well. Um, if the rules are what they always used to be, you can have five in your match day squad. Um, you can have more than that. Um, you can sign more loanies than that, but you're limited to putting five in, in your match day squad. So it's, we mm. still have one more loan space to work with, should they wish. Um, you also have to register a maximum of 25 senior players. Um, Ipswich were... when. Axel Twanzevi signed in early September. Uh, that took them up to 25. They're at the max. Um, Scarlet out, Sarmiento in, still at 25. And Travis will take them up to 26. So they're at the stage now where someone needs to be deregistered to accommodate him. There's a couple of obvious um, people there. Lee Evans is... Well, Kieran McKenna said yesterday that he might play again at the very back end of this season. But... Um, he's someone that you could deregister should you wish. Shawnee Aluko um, has barely featured in league squads this season as well. Is someone that you could easily deregister to uh, accommodate someone else. 
Um, and obviously, Ipswich are going to want a striker, probably two. So um, mm. we are in a kind of uh, one in, one out situation now with the 25 man squad. So you're starting to have a, a little look at what, what Ipswich can do to free up those spaces. Yeah. Okay. Um, you spoke about it in depth on on Tuesday's podcast, and obviously Ross, you spoke about it. I'm sure on the fan social last night. But Tan have also signed Jeremy Sarmiento, which is phonetically appealing, isn't it, boys? It's a lovely thing to say. Juggador, not so much. Um, but you spoke to you spoke to Kieran McKenna. You had the chance to speak to Kieran McKenna about Sarmiento yesterday, Stu. So let's hear that before we speak a little bit more about old old jugs. Yeah, we're really pleased to have him. He's a player that we. We feel like we know pretty well. We've watched him for a long period, um, both for for Black or for Brighton last year and um, for West Brom this year. And spoken to him for a considerable period of time, and we feel like he's a, a good fit here. Um, culturally, you know, he's he's a hard-working young player, and he wants to improve. And we feel like he can, you know, add quite a lot to us within our our style of playing, within our systems of play. So, um, yeah, we're excited to have him and. Um, you know, we hope this will be a, a good move for him and, and a, a good addition for us. Uh, in terms of this weekend, um, we're hoping to have him involved. Of course, you always have to be a little bit careful when, you know, players undergo a move, a lot of travelling, new pitches, new environment, everything. The, the psychological um, impact of that can also impact physically if you're not careful. So we'll, we'll you know, try and make good informed decisions and, uh, you know, we'll involve him on Saturday um, to the maximum possible, really. really. Okay, there's Kieran talking about Juggador, which I think just means player, doesn't it? Is that essentially like his nickname is Baller, pretty much? It'd be like calling Stuart Watson writer, Stuart writer Watson. Um, we, we Rossi and, and AJ did a reaction video yesterday, Wednesday, in fact. If you haven't watched that, go back and watch that now. That's a, a free video on our channels. But Stuart, I want to know what you think about Jeremy Sarmiento, because on the face of it, winger plays on the left. You think, hmm, they've already got a pretty good winger on the left there and he's also got a pretty good back backup uh but it sounds like k money as ever has got a plan and, and he sees sarmiento as replacing someone else with a particular set of skills which maybe town don't have at the moment escritor escritor it's writer in spanish i've just oh, there we go. It while we're talking <laughs> um i won't be calling him jugador or yugador i i imagine it is um jeremy it's a good name just go with jeremy um Kyle Edwards is the player that you're mentioning. Um, yeah. Not somebody that I thought we'd be talking about this month, um, but Kieran McKenna is very big on players having kind of super strengths in their skill set, um, less about kind of um, pecking orders and having established players for positions, but more about having different weapons in the armory, different players that are suited to different game states and scenarios. And he feels that maybe Kyle Edwards' um, trickery, dribbling ability, ability to go past a man um, is something that they didn't replace last summer. Um, I think there's a, a bit of reluctance about letting him go to Oxford on, on loan, but I didn't want to stand in the way of someone that wanted to go and get regular first-team football because he was mainly used off the bench last year. Um, Sarmiento is someone that they tried to get last summer. He ultimately went to West Brom, brings back memories of kind of wanting George Hurst uh, at the start of last season, he went to Blackburn, um, didn't work out for him there, comes back in January and goes to Ipswich um, because Ipswich then have got a little bit of a body of work to say this is the top end of the, this is the end of the table that we're going to be competing at. 
Um, so yeah, he's, he's someone that's going to come in and, and provide uh, a little bit of a little bit of trickery, maybe in some of these games that where they're getting frustrated, maybe against a low block, maybe just something a little bit different. Nathan Broadhead is obviously a, a good dribbler of the ball, but he's someone who sort of glides past people. He's not necessarily that low center of gravity, win a foul. Um, maybe then a set piece can win it for you. So just something a little bit different. He can play, he's been playing wide left mainly for West Brom, but he can play wide right, he can play number 10. So he just adds a bit more competition in those kind of support roles for Ipswich. Rossi, you, you noticed a little slip of the tongue there from McKenna as well, didn't you, in, in the press? So he said black as if he was going to say Blackburn, obviously, where, where Travis is coming from. You're a player like Sarmiento. You've come from the cages. You've come from the streets, Rossi. You're all about skills. Um, does this one excite you? Yeah, it does. Um, even though I'm still struggling to say his name, even though it's very, it's not, it's actually really straightforward. But um, it's lovely, mate, Sarmiento. So I know, but every time I say it, I, apparently we I had not... this thing. Um, I think it was after we finished recording the little clip, and I got him to say each bit. So we did Sar, me, M, Toe, and Ross got Sarmiento. the entire thing right. Like there Ross? you go. And I got you to do it. So I got you to split it up, and then I said, okay, now say him one bit, and you went Sarmiento. No. <laughs> um, it sounds like you got it there, though. It's got a little Sorry? bit of the Italian. I know he's not Italian. But it's got a bit of the Italian sing-song yeah. Sarmiento to it, Rossi. So I thought you'd be all over it. But yeah. what, what do you make of it as, as a signing, as a player? Yeah, I like Jezza. He um, <laughs> highlights. Um, big Jez. And, yeah, yeah it looks very exciting. Um, but one my, one big takeaway, and a few people said it, he's just got some very white teeth, just like you, Heath. He's got some really nice white teeth. He's a he's a bit of a pretty boy, isn't he? That's what my missus said. She's a, she went, oh, he's a pretty boy, isn't he? Because, you know, with the earring and everything. Um, but no, it should be exciting, you know. I think he is similar to Mario Hutchinson, obviously. They're both, you know, coming on loan from Premier League size. They've got those skills. But um, one one insight I got from the guy I spoke to um, on him was he does track back a lot and he does defend. And even though he's not maybe okay. the biggest of lads, he does, he can really battle the ball off and he's got a bit of a muscle there. So, yeah, looking forward to seeing him in action and um, see how he does. Can we find out how much his teeth cost, please? That's important to me. Uh, I want to see if it's more than me. Won't be Bobby Firmino level, I doubt, because you can see his teeth from space. I'm reliably informed they cost about 30 grand. Um, AJ, Sarmiento, just dot the I's and cross the T's and we can talk about other stuff. Like it, big fan. Surprised he went to West Brom in the summer. I was surprised that Brighton let him go. Um, so he was one that I, I was pretty pleased to see come through the door, even though it maybe hadn't worked out quite to the right extent at West Brom. But I think there's a lot to like about it. At the end of the day, what we've seen over the winter period is numbers getting hit badly. Now, he might not come in and, and you know look at that huge star name that's going to start every single game. But I think Ipswich is very much a club where it's a squad game, where you need those kind of numbers, where you need to have players that can roll in, roll out almost and, and not change the, the level of the squad too much because you maybe look at the winter period and you're having to play players at position and, and struggling in that sense. So to have a player like him come in to really give you great depth over the kind of the three behind the main striker, I think it's really important where you look at, you can have Sarmiento Broadhead on the left, you can have uh, Burns and Hutchinson on the right, you can have Chaplin and um, Harness through the middle and then you can have players like Jack Taylor come in there and it feels like their natural roles doesn't feel like you're stepping down necessarily that's the main thing and adding Travis in on that I know we've already spoken about him but it does the same thing essentially just means that there's not going to be any sort of massive drop-off in that sense and you can just keep things rolling 
Mm. Okay, Friday, January the 5th, Tan have already made two signings. On the Vince McMahon meme scale, Travis is kind of like this, isn't it? And then Sarmiento's like this. And then what we want is, is the top, the peak McMahon, which is him falling off his chair backwards, which is a, a striker signing. Uh, Stu, and you spoke to McKenna about that yesterday. So let's hear about that and then we can talk all about it. Yeah, the reality is in January, lots of teams want strikers. Teams who have good strikers don't always want to let them go, especially not at the very start of the window because they want to make sure that they've got enough cover. So we have um, we have targets in each position. We have tar- targets in the forward positions, but um, I wouldn't imagine that there'll be anything done before the weekend anyway. Okay, so nothing done before the weekend. He obviously meant nothing done on the striker front. Um, on the sound of it, Stu, the strikers are clearly what Town need this window. He says there that it's going to be, it's going to take a little bit of time, maybe, to get one in the door. Um, and we, we've talked before about Freddie Ladapo potentially heading out. Um, Jay Stansfield, clearly a name that you, you've brought us. Um, can you tell us anything new about striker searches? Your thoughts on it generally? Or is it going to be one you think that's going to go down to the wire? Possibly, I th- for the reasons that. That Kieran McKenna has just outlined. I'm seeing a bit some outrage on social media, just saying, "Oh, we messed up another window, etc." Uh, they've signed two players by the fifth of the <laughs> month, which is quite—that's not normal. Um, no. What they did last year in signing four players by the middle of the month was not normal. Um, but it's a different kettle of fish when you're talking about not only signing a striker, but a starting striker that is going to be of, you know promotion push quality in the championship they are hard to come by they're even harder to come by in january and they're even harder to come by at the start of january because Mm. there is that sort of domino effect uh the type of profile that they're looking for might not become available until others have, have come in higher up the chain so might have to just show a little bit of patience on that one and in the meantime I implore people to kind of back who is going to be pulling on the shirt before then, because it's going to be counterproductive to mm. do otherwise. Um, there's no dressing it up. I don't think many of us think that that Freddie Ladapo and Caden Jackson are the answer to a team trying to finish in the top two against the odds in the championship. But um, you, Ipswich are going to have to find solutions in-house. I know Nathan Broadhead ended up getting pushed up front in the latter stages of the last game. I'm not sure he's necessarily got the work rate sort of required to to fit into the system for that central striker role, but it's going to be interesting to see what Ipswich do in this in the short term until they can um, until they can get in that sort of uh, the eye catching striker signing that we're all waiting for. Mm. My emails are going mental. Um, I hope that's not picking up on the audio. I do apologise if it is. I'll try and close it down. But I may also, in doing so, remove myself from this chat. So if that's what happens, that's where I've gone. Um, you mentioned January window, Stu. And I just thought this from our Facebook page summed up the January transfer window for me. It was uh, the story about McKenna saying signing a striker may have to be a waiting game. First comment from a fan. Splash the cash. No such thing as waiting around. It's just that simple, isn't it? Make it rain. Go and get Haaland. Come on. Stop messing around. It's not hard. Bloody January transfer window. I think they might have missed the the, <laughs> the regular interviews with Mark Ashton, who talks about needing to work yeah. within financial fair play and um, not putting the club at risk of points deductions and, and things like that. So they know the wriggle room they've got. Yes, there's there's a lot of American money behind Ipswich, but it's not just a case of going out and um, 
doing what you want and showing financial muscle and 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 showing that financial muscle was easier in in League One because you're mm. fighting against smaller clubs respectfully now they're up against the type of player type of clubs they're going to be competing against are going to probably be Leeds and Southampton and those around them are all going to be going for similar sort of players so you you can't just kind of blow them out of the water financially to get a deal done it's not not going to be as simple as that mm. and I guess the other complicating factor is that everyone knows that Tanner after a striker being as their lead striker is injured he's out and they've been quite open that they're going to need to sign another one that's going to hike the price up isn't it on any any kind of potential target you'd imagine you oh you want him do you you want him well if you want him you have to pay a bit more for him we know you need him that kind of thing so there we go yeah. what, um, what's uh what's promotion to the premier league yeah, exactly. days? i think at the yeah. last counting the yeah. uh it was however many hundred million or whatever price they put on it so yeah i'm sure that's not helped with negotiations simple economics demand is high stick the price up Right then, um, one more thing before we move on from sexy stuff and, and on to the FA Cup, which isn't really that sexy, let's be honest. Um, the signing of Travis means that, I'm sorry, AJ, that Don Ball's going to slide further down the, the depth chart, but also have a little knock-on effect for Cameron Humphrey, who we've seen playing at left-back in recent weeks. Um, and we also got to speak to him yesterday. So let's hear from Cameron Humphreys about potential loan moves, which you'd imagine maybe is, is the direction he'll be going in January. This is from yesterday's presser. And another debate is always about whether it's best to stay in house and develop with good players, a good coach, or whether it's best to go out and get games as a young player. This will probably be what, the fourth window in a row that there's been that sort of discussion around what's what's best for you. How often do you talk to the manager about what's best best for your your pathway going forwards? Yeah, we we have frequent chats, um, and it, it's been the same in every window when there's been obviously external messages and thoughts and is he going to go, is he going to stay, but the, the chats between, between me and the boss have always been very consistent, um, we've always been, had a very clear plan um, and at that minute the, the plan is to still develop myself um, and right now train and, and play to the best of my ability. Look, on a point, assume, I assume that well, you want to get more minutes and play more games because that's ultimately what, what the build-up of the week is all about, but you trust in the manager and the staff here to kind of make that decision when it's when it's the right time yeah yeah i have full full faith and, and trust in in all the staff here um again it's not just the manager that i speak to it's a lot a lot of different coaching staff and and staff in other areas um to make sure I, I get the balance right if i'm maybe not playing as much games i can do other things in certain areas to develop myself um but yeah at the minute i'm i'm really enjoying training here and and hoping to to play as much as i can Two takeaways from that. One, he sounds a bit like Tom Daly to me. Uh, and two, he speaks incredibly well for such a young man. So um, composed and thoughtful. Rossi, Cameron Humphreys, is it time? We, we know he's one of the crown jewels and he's been kept in-house to kind of soak in the, the kind of culture, I guess, and playing with, with high-level players around him and kind of be um, uh, fit into the system, as it were, soak all that in. But is it now time, do you think, that he goes out on loan in January and gets some scars in, in, in men's football. Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, as, as you know, I think Stu mentioned in that in that clip, you know, it's been four transfer windows now we'll be chatting about Cameron Humphrey's mm. loan, potential loan. And of course, now we're a championship team. That is when we're in League One. And obviously you want to send him to the right club and it has to be the right club um, because you don't want him to get loaned out and he doesn't even play. And you like think, oh, what a waste of time because he just stayed with us. And, and I'm sure it has been, you know, beneficial for him to be around McKenna, all the players, 
Um, but I think now is the right time for him to go out on loan and uh, hopefully there could be a good League One club for him because I think League One is probably a good level for him to go to right now. Of course, you know, last year he had to come in because of the injuries and suspensions and stuff. Um, obviously, he played in the Carabao Cup run this year as well. You know, I thought he played really well against QPR. Um, mm. I think that was just a disappointing result, weren't it? It was a goalless draw, but, you know, playing left back, I thought he did okay. Um, but yeah, this is potential, you know, a great window for him to go out on loan. You know, obviously it looks like he's going to be playing in the FA Cup, so at least he can play in that. But just needs to find the right club. And there's a few League One clubs I'm thinking of, like, you know, someone like Peterborough or Bolton, you know, a bit a long way to go. But a club like that who plays some good football and who are doing really well would be a perfect fit. So we shall wait and see on that. Yeah, AJ, you were particularly impressed with him against QPR. I think you made him your man of the match, didn't you? Playing mm-hmm. left back. He's clearly a very, very talented young player. And as Rossi says, up for presser. So you'd imagine he's going to play tomorrow in the FA Cup. Would you be looking to loan him out in January? Um, I think so, because when you look at the, the previous bits, obviously a little bit before my time, my understanding was he got quite a few minutes, but it was essentially because Town had um, issues in midfield and, and yeah. he stepped up quite well that's not going to be the case anymore. And, and another body coming through the door is only going to push him further down the pecking order. And I think that you bring in another versatile player. It, it does open the window to do it, but it does have to be the right club. Absolutely. Um, as painful as it is to say, as someone who uh, has kind of bleeds uh, amber and black, I think Peterborough is a nice option for him. Someone like that, just that I mean, Town have a fairly good relationship, you'd say, with Peterborough, and he, he kind of fits the the young, hungry style that they have and, and the football that they like to play. But someone in that bracket anyway, and, and there are going to be, I'd say, clubs towards the top end of League One who will look at what he's done, look at how he fits in in terms of his versatility, in terms of his uh, ability on the ball. I thought that in the QPR game, his crosses were excellent. He was defensively pretty good. You're coming up against QPR where they've got two really good wingers um, on either side that are really strong outfit in that sense and I thought that he kind of dealt with them really well and that really impressed me so if he's standing in in these games in the championship and, and looking pretty solid even on days where the players around him maybe haven't got the same amount of match fitness and he can still do that I think it shows that if he can get a regular run of games in League One a team mm-hmm. that will hopefully play a similar style to Ipswich I think that it will just be the best step for, for his development. So are you going to triple that emotion send Humphreys out you reckon get him some I mean, we've seen it before, haven't we, with the likes of Downs and Wolf, and then they came back much better players. Um, is that the is that the route now for for Cam? Uh, it will be, but I don't know if this is the time. It's, okay. They're in a bit of a nether zone at the moment, where, as we've seen, it only takes suddenly a, a few injuries, and the squad can look a little bit light. And mm. I quite like him at left back. I think he's got some some qualities there. Most notably is his ability to his fitness levels to get up and down all game like Leif Davis. He's got technical ability on the ball as well. I think they might keep him around just as a bit of backup for that, that left back position at the moment um, for the next six months. I think it's slightly different with, with loans going down the pyramid when it comes to centre halves, i.e. Elkan Baggett and Corey and Darber and others and than it is maybe technical sort of lightweight midfielders like Cameron mm. Humphreys when you talk about going out and getting scars absolutely that's the case with center half so you know if they go out and get in a team you tend to stay in the team and, and play 30 40 games or whatever and, and it'd be a, a really good experience just to get that game time someone like Cameron Humphreys could go to a club and they might end up dipping in and out of of games you 
they're living away from home, maybe far, you know, far away for the first time. Don't ever underestimate how difficult that is. Maybe that's what Cameron Humphreys needs from a sort of a personal development point of view as well. Mm. But you can also see the, the flip side. I think increasingly there's an argument of kind of keeping players in house and letting, like you say, soaking in the culture. And and he talks about really learning day in day out from Kieran McKenna, the coaches, better players around him. Phil Foden at Man City is probably a prime example of that, someone that, that they kept hold of early in his career to sort of build him up. So, um, yes, there will come a point where he needs to to play games. He's 20 now, he's not 18, but um, I don't know if this will be the window. OK, just by way of rounding off the sexy stuff, Chaplin, Stu, we've talked a lot about what town need and players obviously have already signed. We've mentioned frequently in terms of potential exits, Freddie Ladapo. Are there any other names you might want to toss out there in terms of potential departures? in January in terms of making room for players to come in, maybe players we've not talked about? Um, just looking at it, really, sort of Aluko, Evans, you could you could deregister them. Freddie Ladapo, mm. I think, would be a sell to free up a space for a striker. Don't know what the situation is with Janoi Danassian. I'm going to have to check in with Kieran McKenna on, on him. Mm. Um, sounds like he's he's sort of got a troublesome groin problem. Um He'll be one out of contract in the summer. Um, there's no huge obvious candidates there. George Edmondson, there's been a bit of chat about Portsmouth uh, being interested in him. Thought he was one of, if not their best player at Stoke on New Year's Day and um, with Cameron Burgess going away um, with Australia. I, I would imagine that Ipswich would only let him go if if they were to get another centre-half in. Mm. Um but yeah, the wriggle room is, is fairly tight. I don't I don't know what you boys think. Is there any other any other contenders there for departures? How about someone like Brandon Williams going back, for example? Yeah. He's obviously come in and was was starting. Now he's been in and out of the side a little bit, hasn't he? I wondered if he might be someone they'd consider. You do that and back. you get quite light in that area though, that's the thing. And yeah, you've yeah. got players that can go and deputize and you've got Travis assuming he comes in can go do that. Yeah. Um but if you're taking him out of the team and sending him back or whatever happens there, then I think you're leaving yourself a little bit light. And again, mm. are you then looking at having to go and get another fullback in? I'd say probably, and I, I don't think it would be one to avoid if, if possible, but it was a little bit strange to me maybe that he didn't get in the team for the yeah. Stoke game if there's something there. Something's not, sure. not quite right there, is it? That He started on, on fire, Brandon Williams, and then sort of faded away and been out the team for a fair bit, and he's not looked his usual self in the in the last few appearances. So, um, I don't know, possibly. Again, I think it, maybe that's part of the, the Travis thinking, someone that can do that, that fullback role as well, and that frees you up a space to do things at the top end of the pitch. But as Alex says, all of a sudden... Kieran McKenna a few months ago was saying that fullback was probably his strongest sort of depth position mm. at the club when you had um who were we talking about? We were talking about Williams and Danassian at right back and uh no, it was Davis and Williams at left back, wasn't it? And then um Clark and Danassian at, yeah. at right back sort of thing. So um yeah, it's a reminder of how quickly the picture can change. Rossi, you know, we know you're ruthless when it comes to getting rid of players, particularly when they hit a certain age. Is there any anyone in the squad you'd maybe be looking at, at shipping out other than the, the guys we've, we've talked about? Well, if, yeah, if I did my age thing, then Morsey goes, Massimo goes. <laughs> that would be controversial. <laughs> I'm not saying that. Don't clip that up. Um, <laughs> definitely Sam Morsey is my favourite player, so obviously he can be yeah. a player who's 50 if he wants. Yeah. Um, That's yeah. nice. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, he probably could, probably would. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, really. I think it's, it's a hard, it's a weird... January transfer window is always weird, isn't it? You don't oh, want to, I hate January, yeah. Yeah. You just don't want to risk, you know, even with Stuart saying about Karen Humphreys or whatever, you know, if you let him go and then injuries pile up, you're like, oh, maybe we should have kept them around. So that's similar with, like, even like players, like, this is controversial for Alex, like Don Ball, like, even though he's played a few games, he's very much been a bit part, really, this season so far. Yeah. And, like, is Don Ball happy with that at the moment? Obviously, he's at an age where he's, you know, probably thinking, I really want to be playing more football. Um, so an offer comes, you never know. That's the thing. Will we have any offers for players because we're doing so well? You know, you never know. Premier League team, maybe, maybe not. But mm. you just never know. <laughs> I don't. I don't think there'll be any. I think that's not going to happen. And Kieran McKenna said that, that in terms of selling key players, key assets is is not up for negotiation. They don't need to do that. Leif Davis would be top of that list. I think mm. there is various Premier League clubs. I've had a little sniff around him. Nottingham Forest, West Ham. Amongst others, you'd have been talking 10 million plus easily in this market for a left back with his sort of numbers. But Ipswich don't want to do it. They don't need to do it. He's a well-protected asset. So I can't see anything like that happening. Just looking down the squad list, one other. The goalkeeper situation is very interesting. I wouldn't imagine Christian Walton is too happy sitting on the bench at the moment. We can have no complaints about that. The way Vaz has played, we've had a little bit of... um, talk around Vaz's contract recently I would imagine that will get extended so I don't know is that is that a situation that could become live this month or does that wait till the summer I I really don't know but that's that's the only one that I could really throw into the mix okay now we've done about 40 minutes there on sexy stuff which is a a good time to leave it my main takeaway from that is that um, Ross has has okayed a new 20-year contract for Sam Morsey um, sign him up to these 50. Fantastic. Right then, friends, obviously um, we'll be keeping you up to date and up to speed as much as we can in terms of sexy stuff, all this bloody January transfer window. Um, the boys will have their ears to the ground and, know, and we know it's going to be a busy time. Exciting. I, I just wish sometimes that I, I didn't have to do this professionally when it comes to transfer rumours because it's more fun when you can just get carried away with them, isn't it? And have to, not have to worry about looking into them. And uh, and late night signings and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, friends, um, get my tiny violin out. Let's move on, shall we, to the FA Cup. The magic, with a, a small M these days, of the FA Cup. Uh, it's nice, of course, that Town actually don't have to play into the third round for the first time in a little while. And they're travelling to AFC Wimbledon, friends, which, if I had my hyperbole hat on, which I usually do, I'd bill as a massive clash between two previous winners, Ipswich Town and AFC Wimbledon. The culture club of Kieran McKenna's Ipswich Town against the crazy gang of old of AFC Wimbledon. Um, Rossi, speak to me about this this game. Um, the FA Cup has, you know, the magic has been slightly dimmed, tarnished in recent times. And we had a classic example of FA Cup 2024 last night, didn't we? With a, was it Everton Crystal Palace nil nil on the TV? Why do they show those games on TV? Pointless. Um, but Wimbledon, winnable game, much changed side, no doubt. How are you feeling about it, Rossi? Yeah, I do like the FA Cup. A nice little breather from, you know, league action. Um, obviously, it's a competition that we've not had great history in the last decade or so. Um, obviously, last year was a nice little change. You know, we got to the fourth round, wasn't it, with Burnley with a replay? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But before that, we had the, the Barrow situation. Uh, we had Accrington. Back, you know, the last time we actually entered the third round, you know, from the first game was that Accrington game 
mm. um, in 2019, which was uh, was dreadful. Um, but no, I'm looking forward to this one. Plough Lane is actually a nice, of course, it's a new ground. You know, it's been, you know, re, redone for AFC Wimbledon. And it's a nice little setup there. Uh, obviously, we've been there a few times in League One. Uh, it, it caused pre-season a few years back. Um, we had Burns night, you know, Wes Burns scoring twice on his night, which was a great uh, evening down there. Uh, but yeah, FC Wimbledon, seventh in League Two. Seventh, yeah, seventh, yeah, seventh League Two, just double checking that. Johnny Jackson, a manager we know, obviously he was manager of the, the Charlton team when we played him um, a few years back, final day of the season. Uh, they haven't got two big players, though, um, who have gone off to the Asian Cup, not AFCON, it's the Asian <laughs> Cup. Um, Al Hamadi and Google, who are two really you know attacking players, and um, that's big losses for them. But um, yeah, it should be an interesting tie with this one. You know, we were League One foes a, year, a couple of years back, and now we're Championship League Two. Should be an interesting game. Do you want to talk about this a little bit, AJ? Because I asked you to write the um, we do a meet the opposition bit. I'm sure you know if you if you're watching this, we do a meet the opposition profile piece every week. Uh, I asked you to write that yesterday, and you got quite excited about it. You said I'm going to write 800 words just on um, one particular player who's not even going to play. So yeah. uh, you're obviously clearly you you bloody love football. I um, bloody love football. But you're you're excited about this one. Yeah, I was worried going into this one a little bit because of one player in particular who's not going to play. So I'm a little bit less worried about it, which is good. Um, Ali Al Muhammad Al Al Hamadi. Blimey, I had a Ross moment there. Sorry, Ross, that was <laughs> mean. Ali Al Hamadi, um, who signed for for Wimbledon in January last year, had a decent little spell. He's totally caught on fire. He's only, I think, 2021, 20, I think, at the moment. Um, really exciting player who's been all in the goals. I think it's 13 goals, six assists. Loving life there. Has had um, links to big clubs. I think there's a, an expectation that potentially when he comes back from the Asian Cup, he'll be uh, sold. You're looking at championship clubs and a few League One clubs that are sniffing around with him. Um, him not playing is going to be a huge, huge miss for Wimbledon because their their striker options are pretty slim. You look at Bugio as well, who's gone out. Um, I think he might be with Lebanon, something like that. Um, all there, you're, you're taking almost 20 goals out of the team, just in terms of what they scored between the two of them. And then you're looking at Josh Davison up front as the only real option, which means that not only are they lacking depth there, but they're probably going to have to change their system because they've been playing kind of with two, three strikers. So I think that there's a chance that they're going to take a more defensive approach, obviously against a, a higher ranked team that will have more quality on paper, but it's um, one where I think they might change to to add a few more bodies in midfield and to have a lone striker up there. Um, with that changing formation, something like that is, is easier said than done, isn't it? Just kind of doing it at the drop of a hat. So I think there might be a few teething issues there that Town could take advantage of. Um, can't ignore the fact that at the end of the day, albeit that they've been a little bit hit and miss, their home record's not great. They still have shown that they're, they're a good team. They're a billion miles better than they were last season, for example, when they almost got relegated from League Two. So... Uh, one to be wary of, but I think you've taken two big threats out of this team and I think the town will feel confident going into it as a result. Mm. Stewie, was, was Plough Lane in the COVID era? Was that where the uh, we contacted some fans who'd been watching from a balcony or something? And they've been chant they've been chanting related to you and Hutchie, I seem to remember. Yeah, Hutchie got serenaded. That was one of my right. favourite moments of um, behind closed doors football, which yeah. was in general pretty miserable. But uh, yeah, a little group of of Ipswich fans high up on a high-rise flats that overlook the pitch were 
were uh, managed to get a view of behind closed doors football. Yeah, went there in pre-season, of course. Um, not last summer, the summer before. Um, yeah, this game is interesting. Uh, on the face of it, they've scored a lot of goals, AFC Wimbledon. I looked at it. They've scored four or more goals in a game on seven occasions this season. They beat Cheltenham 5-1 and Ramsgate 5-0 to get to the third round stage. Um <clears throat> But then you dig a little bit deeper, and and as the boys have said, the two the two main goal getters are, are unavailable for this one. So um, <clears throat> I think Ipswich will be fine. Um, Kieran McKenna's talked about uh, even with the injuries and whatnot, he will still field a competitive team in this game. And as we've seen in the in the League Cup, Ipswich can make eight, nine, ten plus changes and mm. ultimately beat teams like Wolves uh, in the Premier League. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, I, I think this this will be a, this will be a nice breather from league football and the pressures of, you know, Southampton are coming and, and the promotion push and all of that. I think the pressure will be off in this one. If they win, great, and we'll see what comes. Um, by the time the next rounds of the FA Cup come around, the squad should be boosted a little bit more with, with these extra numbers. You never know if Ipswich go to a Premier League team away, one of the big boys. That would be a nice fun day out. And again, that would be a nice little breather away from the pressures of promotion push. And a bit like the Burnley games last year, they could inject a little bit of something into the season. I think those two games against Burnley were a moment that really provided everyone with a bit of confidence that they were on the right track. So maybe history could repeat there. And do you know what? If they do ultimately go out tomorrow, then... Um, I think everyone will move on from it quite quickly and, and um, not be too too worried. I think the phrase from Kieran McKenna was, I'll be more than happy if we progress. And then uh, silent in brackets, but but won't shed too many tears if we go out. <laughs> Rossi, uh, I know you hate being asked about lineups and stuff, but who would you like to see play? We know we know Jez is going to play, the boy Jugs. Um, he's going to make his debut by the sound of it. I'm assuming that, that Travis maybe won't be signed in time. Who knows? Uh, we know certainly Lee Davis and those kind of players won't be playing. Who would you Who would you like to see? Cameron Humphreys is another one who looks like he's going to play. Who, who would you like to see in the town team? Mm, yeah, it's an interesting one because I'm trying to think who's available because <laughs> of all the injuries piling up. Um, obviously, there's a few, uh, you know, squad players. You know, Don Ball would be a good one to see him start just for AJ and all that. It let him to... Just for AJ. <laughs> yeah. Do you think start. Kieran McKenna would allow yeah. that? Be like, yeah, yeah you know what? Perk sitting really in Kieran's office now see, going, yeah. look, we need to get ball listen in for to, AJ. Listen to this. We've, we've got this little clip from the podcast. He really wants <laughs> it. Just come on. Just just once. Come on. Yeah. Um, it'd be interesting to see if there'll be any, you know, some of the Iron 21s players, you know, I, I, yeah. cut, I cut them regularly. It'd be interesting to see because the FA Cup, that's what normally happens. Like the Carabao Cup, I think we were surprised on how, you know, strong some of the lineups were. I know they were very much our second string, but they did really well against a Premier League team and Wolves and Fulham as well. Um, but it'd be interesting to see if McKenna goes, you know, maybe use some more younger players just to see how they can do against a League Two team. Give um, us some names then, Rossi. You've watched the under the, the youth player. Who would you like to see kind of get a chance? Well, we saw, you know, Jared Babro. I think I've said it right. Probably not. Um, the Babro, I think. Yeah, yeah. He came <laughs> yeah. on against the QPR. I thought he did really well. So maybe yeah. him again. There's also um, an Irishman called Levy. Um, I can't speak. I can't speak. I can't speak. <laughs> uh, can't speak. Uh, um, I think I don't know. If, I, I, maybe it's. I think I don't. They say it differently. It's sometimes it's Levi or Levy. I think it's Levy. Um, 
Oide, um, who's an Irishman forward who played in pre-season. He's another, he's been scoring goals. Oh, he's been scoring loads of goals, hasn't he? I've been reading yeah, your reports. Yeah, he scored, yeah. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see if he could feature. Um, he's very exciting. So, But it's a big window for maybe sending out some of these under-21s to maybe go out mm. on loan. But um, it's a good opportunity for, for some of these young players. Um, so yeah, I ain't got any other names to be honest. Uh... I don't. I don't think any of them will start. Um, you might. You might see a few of them on the bench, maybe. Yeah, I mean, um, Boeba, I think is recovering from injuries and he's coming back from a quite big injury. So McKenna said, yeah, Kieran sort much. of said the the most he could do was sort of five minutes plus stoppage time the other day. So they got to tread carefully a little bit with him. But um, you might see a few of them on the bench. I think if you're going to rest players like. And he's rotated the squad pretty well over Christmas. There's not mm. that many that have played the bulk of the games. But players like Connor Chaplin, who I think played all four, did he? Yeah. Not all four of the Christmas games. Wolfenden played most of the Christmas games. If you're going to rest players yeah. like that, then... What's that? Getting a massive echo there all of a sudden. Okay. Uh, if you're going to rest players like that, then yeah. you may as well leave them at home and give them the give them the weekend off and, and maybe stick a couple of youngsters on on the bench. Um, but it's st- it will still be a, a first team. You know, you're going to have Christian Walton in goal. Um, Edmondson will play. Don Ball will play. Shawnee Luco will probably play. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how many minutes Sarmiento gets mm. i think they're talking about playing him the maximum they can but being wary that after travel and settling in with a new squad that um you know and he's not had loads of football he's played a reasonable amount in december but they'll maybe that might be a impact off the bench or start him and take him off quite early i don't know but it's going to be a, it's going to be a proper first team still i think yeah mm. i do hope we oh sorry ross i just want to um i've done a bas- massive mistake it's leon Yuande. I don't know why I thought it was Levy. I don't know why. It's Leon Yinde? Yeah, Yinde. You think of Le- uh, Leviando? That's what I'm it? thinking of. I don't yeah, know yeah. why. It I doesn't... thought the first one you said was uh, Levi Away Day, and I was thinking, <laughs> that's an interesting surname. Yeah, and that's, I'm supposed to be the man who covers all things under 21s, but uh, I can't even say <laughs> one of their key players. But yeah, Leon, he's, he's a good player. Is Ryan Carr still. Um in the building, Ross, or is he out on loan? Because I liked him back in pre-season. He was involved as well. Yeah, he's still in the, still in, he's basically one of the key players for the under-21s, although I think he's actually maybe injured, so maybe he won't feature. And Sam like... Morsi could well start in this game, remember, because he's he's suspended for the next two, so he'll I would imagine play, he'll, he'll play. play. Because if, if you rest him, then you're in danger of him getting a bit deconditioned as well, because it'll be a fair, fair break till the next game. So I would imagine Sam will start. Mm. I do hope we get at some point the chance to to refer to Sarmiento saying he's jezzed it um, in a nod to, to Peep Show, of course. Friends, I'd normally ask you for a prediction, but honestly, I don't really care about prediction for this game. What I'd, what I'd rather know, friends, is the FA Cup in general. What, what are your, what are your what are some of your happiest memories of the FA Cup? I mean, I referenced there the the, uh, the culture club versus the crazy gang. I've, I've nicked that there from John Watson, of course, to Liverpool and um, Wimbledon. Massive FA Cup upset, which would probably be one of my favourite early memories of the FA Cup. And then Liverpool Crystal Palace um, semi-final when there's another huge upset Crystal Palace going through to play Man United. These are the days when it used to be all over the telly and I used to get properly excited about the FA Cup. Um, AJ, because this period of time you've been alive, the FA Cup has been going like this in terms of like yeah. interest and and, and uh, what's the word, kind of um, stature in the game. So have you got any, any happy, good memories about the FA Cup? Yeah, I think for starters, 
it definitely has. I mean, let's think about it in a sense that we've spoken about we're happy if Town go through. Brilliant. We don't really care if Town go out. God mm. almighty, if they draw and it goes to a replay, it's going to be a game that goes in between Sunderland at home and Leicester away. That would be dreadful. That would mm. just be the worst result humanly possible. And the fact that we're saying that about a, you know the most the oldest competition in the world is uh, shows I think where um, where it's heading. Hopefully to be salvaged at some point. My biggest memories come from the Cambridge side. Unsurprisingly, one of my first games that I ended up seeing with Cambridge, somewhat embarrassingly, um, was they they drew Manchester United back in 2014, 15, around about that time. Um, so they, they played there. It was Cambridge's a League Two team, and uh, Lou Van Gaal's Man United um, players like Radamel Falcao slogging around an absolutely like minus three degree weather at the Abbey, just looking really, really sad and sorry for themselves uh, and just getting totally bullied by a Cambridge side that just probably should have won that game in fairness. That was one of them. And the other one, slightly more recently, one that you guys might remember was the Newcastle game from, I think, God, how long ago would that have been? Two two years ago now. Um, I covered that game when I was covering Cambridge and that was a, a fantastic moment when they went to Newcastle about a month after... They became the richest club in the world. They just signed Kieran Trippier and um, Cambridge went there in okayish form, played a full-strength Newcastle team at St. James's Park and then scored the winner in the second half and uh, went through. That That was special. So those are those are my two. I can one-up you on the Cambridge stakes, mate. I was watching John oh. Beck's Cambridge United back in yep. the true glory days when they, uh, they had an incredible run in the FA Cup. They beat Sheffield Wednesday at home and then went to Highbury and took the lead against Arsenal. Those were the days, friends. Dion Dublin, Lee Philpot, Liam Daish. Bloody hell, what a side that was. Um, Stewie, what about you, FA Cup-wise? Well, personally, as an Everton fan, 95, winning it. Yep. Neville Southall, man of the match, keeping the uh, the young uh, class of 92 at bay. Um, Paul Rideout's header after the ball had come back off the crossbar. That was I was 10 then, so that, that well and truly got me hooked. Um Professionally, so many highlights. Mark covering <laughs> Switch Town, yeah. Uh, yeah, losing at Preston in a replay. Joe Garner coming off the bench. Uh, yeah. Freezing cold night at Portsmouth replay. Peter Malarchich sent off the Lincoln game, the Accrington oh. game. The list goes on. It's been pretty, pretty miserable, hasn't it? Throughout. I'm just so pleased you the, go to Barrow, uh, Stewie. Do you remember when we had the debacle at Barrow and we we'd made the decision you weren't going to go because we're expecting a, a manager to be appointed. And obviously they lost, played dreadfully. And then McKenna was appointed the following day um, quite early on. So that, that really worked out for us. Uh, Rossi, FA Cup? Uh, it's a big one. Big memory. Um, Stanford Bridge, Itchish Town, lost 7-0. Oh, yeah. That, that was a great day. I was in the away end. Um, yeah, as a, a young, young, young lad. And um, I went, oh, dear. My team are shit. Um, but then we went on to beat Arsenal uh, the following week, which was very weird, weird timing. Um, I was very happy that Paul Jewell, um actually, no, no, that was when Roy Keane got sacked and then Paul Jewell came in. Oh, no. Um, but yeah, anyway, um, lost 7-0, wasn't great. Um, and the FA Cup has been crap for Ipswich, hasn't it, really? Uh, we won it back in 78, obviously, but I wasn't born. Um, my nan and my uncle went to the final. They share great memories of it. They got a great picture of them. Um, with the trophy and stuff. But yeah, it's not been a competition that town fans have enjoyed, really. But um, 
you never know. Magic of the Cup, small M, as you said. You never know how far we can go. But yeah, not many memories, to be honest. I, I was about to look back at how many times Town have won FA Cup matches since I've been born. I don't think there's many. Maybe just about in double figures. But yeah, it's it's not been great. It has been sad to see it devalued as a competition, hasn't it? Mm. You know, it was, I think I caught the very last end of probably my generation, our generation of the sort of magic of the cup and the feel around it. But it's just so many little things that have chipped away at it over the years. I think the semi-finals at Wembley, the different kickoff times, Mm. the amount of money associated with finishing in various competitions and places just has meant so much rotation, not just from the big boys, but all the way through to like League One and League Two teams changing their, their lineups for it. It's um it's a shame what has happened to, to the FA Cup really. I, I went to the final in two thousand and nine to watch Everton. I managed to manage to get myself a ticket when Louis Saha scored after twenty odd seconds and they lost Everton lost to Chelsea. But I'd, I'd been to the semi finals um prior when Everton beat Man United on penalties and then to go back there a few days later just devalued it as a kind of the final and then it's just mm. um yeah and it, I know there's been the odd upset we've had Wigan we've had Leicester more good. recently winning yeah. it but um Portsmouth won it but in general it's been the same old teams winning it year after year and I certainly can't reel off who played who in the final uh, over the last 10 years or so, where there was a time where most people could mm. could tell you that, couldn't they, was who played who in, in most years. Do you remember the Gerrard final? Stephen Gerrard, when he, he was on one leg. West I think Ham. it was West Ham, wasn't it? That's when Kirby was doing the dance, wasn't it? Um, that was that. Was, I think that may have been one of the most extraordinary single performances from a player I've seen in football, that final from Gerrard. I'd put it up there with Beckham against Greece in in the qualifying game when he was like two men that was extraordinary um so that sticks in my mind going back to to Wimbledon beating Liverpool there's a great documentary about the crazy gang uh, which I think's on BT Sport that's worth a worth a watch Vinnie Jones talking about how they were shouting down the hole in the uh in the uh in the tunnel which is a reference to them ripping ears off and spitting down the hole of, of Liverpool players um so I'm assuming Morsey will be saying something similar at Wimbledon tomorrow. And then you've um, got that X-rated tackle from Vinnie Jones, didn't you, in the first yeah. 30 seconds, which would be yeah. about 10 red cards <laughs> in today's game. And uh, I think, he, was it just a, a foul and nothing else given? Yeah. Different times. Times have changed. Um, right, friends, that brings us towards the end of the podcast. Uh, but before we go, Stu, I want, to, I want to talk about something that is very dear and important to us because we're talking about exciting, sexy things. But friends, let's be honest, the most exciting thing that's happened this week Stu, is the return of traitors isn't it yes it has been the return <laughs> yeah I'm, that was I'm, a gear change wasn't it i'm nervous about talking about it because i'm only no watching spoilers. one a night yeah. and I'm, I'm oh mate why are they putting them on iPlayer so that for people, people like me have you oh, no, i knew them. you'd watched them all i assume you're <laughs> so that's why i'm worried about talking about it to avoid spoilers but there's extra interest for me with the involvement of the contestant paul gorton this year who has been a regular on Chatterbix that Andy and I used to talk about, our favourite podcast with Joe Wilkinson and David Earle. And he's been like a, a side character on their podcast for like the last 18 months. So he's someone like I feel like I know really well. And now he's popped up on, on one of my Is he the big ginger lad? Shows. Yeah. 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 Ah, right. So he's... don't talk. I don't want to talk about anything because I'm only two yeah. in and I'm watching okay. them one a night. It's fair to say he looks like he's going to have a central role. Rossi, you shrugged there. I assume you haven't been immersed in the in the brilliant TV spectacle that is Traitors. No, should I? Is it absolutely you should, friend? 
It's, it is genuinely one of the best things on TV. Um, Winkleman, the Winkles, is an unbelievable television host, let me tell you that. And I also have a slight little bit of a crush on her, I have to admit. Um, AJ, are you watching Traitors? I am. Uh, I have not watched anything, any of them, be it UK, US, up to this point. However, my family liked them a lot. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to get involved in this this year. I'm going to buy into the hype. And I've watched, so I've watched the ones that have been out on TV as they are on TV at nine o'clock uh, every night as a traditionalist. So uh, that, that's what I've been doing, hoping to buy into it properly and get there. I've been a little bit confused with some bits. I'm trying to get up to speed. Um, but yeah, getting there. And I'm sure soon enough, when we check back, I'm sure it'll end up being a Q&A question at some point, mailbag. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to be fully bought in. I'm still angry about how the first series finished. That's just that wasn't that wasn't cricket. The little grenade that he threw in when he got voted out. That guy. Still you still angry. haven't watched the American version, Stu. The American, the ending of the American wow. version is the best thing, one of the best things I've ever seen. And you refuse to watch it. I couldn't get through some of the American annoyingness of that. The Australian one was good, but yeah. yeah. Hello the, to pres- the presenter friends, makes a big difference. Yeah, hello to our our American owners and friends yeah. across the pond. Um, I thought Alan Cumming was brilliant on the American version. Mm. Well, horses for courses. You're not yeah. you're not a man who likes swagger and flash, are you? You're more of a meat and potato sort of guy. I, um, I agree with you. Claudia Winkleman is uh, outstanding. Yeah, yeah. And, and finally, friends, this week I want to finish with a question. Um, obviously, it's the start of the year. You tend to be a bit down about things this time of year and i've seen a question circulating which kind of fits the mood on social media which i thought a big way to finish the show it's about death friends let me ask you this question would you rather know friends when you're going to die or how you're going to die let me just again neither gear shift no that's not an option Stu. all right happy new year happy new year friends let's talk about death Rossi, what, what would you say to that one? I swear we've done this before on the pod. I think this is like a yearly tradition. Um, I can't remember ever doing it. Oh, man, Maybe I it's something you've done on fan social, which we'll talk about shortly. Maybe. Uh, what was the question again? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think while Ross gets his head around this, I think if you found out how, <clears throat> that might give you a few clues to potentially. When? When? Because if yeah. it's just sort of peacefully of a, of a of a good age, then 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 that's fine. But if it's something different, then there's a lot of uncertainty following you around, isn't there? I think I'd Why... want to know when, because the the one imponderable, the one unknown in life is time, isn't it? You don't know how much time you've got, um, and if you knew when your number was up, when you depart this mortal coil, I think that'd be quite useful to know. Because one of my biggest pet peeves is the saying, live every day like it's your last, which is complete and utter nonsense. Because if I was living every day like, like my last, I wouldn't be going to work. I'd be spending all my money. I'd be I'd be traveling all over the world. Complete nonsense, that. But if I knew when I was going to go, I could maybe make a bit more of an informed decision. So I'm saying when. And I think if you, if you knew when against you, you could maybe take a little guess at how. Because if it's soon, you know, it, it's going to be untimely but if it's if it's late it could be the millionaire's death sitting in your, te- in your chair watching telly and then you just switch off like my dear old granddad um aj what about you i'm only like 14 mate i don't know why you asked me this. <laughs> um 
We can hold on. We can die. What's that? What? <laughs> um, yeah, I get that. Although I feel like if you know when you're going to die, you're just going to be. It's going to be all you think about forever. I guess it's going to be all you think about forever, regardless of what you choose in a way, isn't it? Um, I just think, yeah, using one to decipher the other is going to be the best way. I'm just trying to think which one would be the easiest one. Probably trying to find out if you find out how then you'll be able to decipher roughly when like i'm not gonna so you're not gonna use the examples but you know if if something i don't know okay let's use one if you get hit by a car then there's probably a fairly good chance it's going to be a little bit sooner than you might think that it's unless be it's something. a flying car unless it's a flying car although i'd hope that in the situation that would then be specified well, you're going to die yeah. after getting hit by a flying That'd car. That would be quite exciting, um, actually, wouldn't it? If you if you were told you're going to die by being hit by a flying car, you'd be like, what? There's going to be flying Glorian in your case. Yeah, you. that's amazing. That's the way yeah. I want to go. <laughs> yeah, right, so you're you're saying how. I'm saying when. Rossi, have you got your head around this yet? <laughs> yeah, I have. I have. And do you know what? It brings up a, a, a an episode of The Simpsons when uh, Homer takes some, like, he has a poisonous fish at a sushi restaurant. And he's got told he has less than 24 hours to live. Yeah. And he accepts his fate and he then tries everything on his bucket list. So maybe you get just get told when and then I can just go, okay, then I can just do everything I want to do. Hopefully it's you know longer than 24 hours. Hopefully it's... Because there is a <laughs> film as well, I think like called Countdown, where basically yeah. you get a text saying, you're going to die in two weeks. And then you're like trying your best like to just watch out. So yeah, maybe when. Um, and then you yeah, just live the life to the fullest. Exactly. So, who votes for when? One for house, G, what are you saying? What a depressing chat at the it's end of an early January. Listen, we're all things early called January people, podcast. Uh, when? You're saying when as well. Oh, dear. I've, I've annoyed you. Um, okay, I then, friends. think about death. Well, I'm afraid you're going to have to. We're all going to die. It's inevitable. Start thinking about your funeral now, friends. That's my message for 2024. Got to be open about it. <laughs> Anyway, friends, that brings us to the end of this podcast. We've done sexy stuff. We've done FA Cup and we've done death. The perfect start to 2024. Rossi, talk a little bit before we go about fan social because we talk about death there. You, you've rebirthed something for 2024, um, which had previously looked like it was on its last legs because you were going to comedy nights. Um, so now <laughs> fan social is back and it's live, baby. Tell us all about it. Yeah, it's back from the dead um yeah i had a lot of messages from people saying is the fan social dead i went oh no it's just currently in hibernation Can you say a lot quantify just a couple of messages you know <laughs> um a few people who of course used to go on it a lot yeah, yeah. um and just a few other people but uh yeah it, it's back and it's live uh it should be a weekly live show on a thursday night um opportunity for for listeners everyone to get involved share their thoughts get involved in a conversation uh first episode Went really well, really enjoyed it. So, um, yeah, stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen. So it's every Thursday, 7.30 pretty much, yep. going forward um, with a, a collection of the, the KOA army. And if obviously you're always looking for new people to get involved yep. as well, aren't you, Rossi? So they message you. Is that the best way to go about it if they want to get involved? Yeah, message me, Ross Media UK on, on Twitter or obviously Kings of Anglia as well. Uh, we want to get as many voices heard to share your thoughts. So, yeah, get in touch. Mm. Right then, friends. Anything else to, to talk about before we uh, before we take our leave and I do my shambolic piecemeal outro? No other no. business. Okay then, friends. That's the first 
pre-match podcast of 2024. You've already done one this year, haven't you, in the books. Um, so all roads lead to Wimbledon tomorrow. Uh, just to remind your friends to support our sponsor, Manscaped. Use the code KOA at manscaped.com for 20% off and free delivery. Get yourself trimmed up and looking fresh for 2024 with that code uh, and also friends leave us a five story on itunes because we've not had uh, many of those in a little while it helps lift our visibility in the charts we've had a nice one which i'll share on social media from uh, from dan b thanks dan appreciate that uh, brilliant podcast you're too kind dan but you're also spot on um and friends uh follow us across all our social medias kings of anger on youtube instagram facebook and twitter uh and we'll be back i won't be back actually because i'm off next week for a nice post christmas lie down the boys will be back next week. Ross will be bringing you an all that jazz special in the host chair on Monday. So I look forward to that. Have a great weekend, whatever you do. And the boys will speak to you again next time. Bye.